Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a It's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to Hoovering, the podcast about eating. I'm Jessica Fosterkew. I love eating as much as anything else in the world, but also it sometimes brings me conflict, shame and all sorts of other things that are rubbish. It's complicated and I think fascinating. This is a conversation with an interesting soul, not just about food, but about gobbling it up, or if you will, hoovering. Hello stinkers. This one's an absolute belter because I'm hoovering with none other than charming fruit, Giles Brandreth. I know. First, though, I've got some really exciting news. I'm doing a hoovering live with th- at least three amazing guests this Sunday in two days on the 19th of July. It's at 8pm UK time, but it's virtual. So hopefully loads of you can come. Uh, links are in the podcast notes all over my social media. If you are following me, it's at the hoovering pod or follow me at Jessica Foster The guests are incredible. They'll all be listed online. I've kept it really cheap. There's a discount for most of my patrons. Anyway, I really hope I see you there. It's going to be wicked. Um, Thanks so much for listening to the podcast generally. Uh, Food banks are really struggling right now. Any spare money that you've got, I reckon, first things first, give it to them. If you haven't got any money, but you have got spare time and you're not shielding or whatever, um, I know lots of food banks, certainly around where I live in South East London, are looking for volunteers at the moment. So... um, Yeah, I mean, you could do that with your time. It doesn't need to be with cash. If you've got uh, even more spare cash, I would love it if you could financially support the podcast. On Acast Supporter now, you can do one-off helps of like a few quid or whatever. Um, Or on patreon.com forward slash the hoovering pod, you could become someone who regularly helps me with a small amount each month in exchange for very cool stuff like discount tickets to the live shows and exclusive content. Right. 
let's get into this. Giles and I met in his beautiful garden. Of course, it was beautiful. Um, it was, I am afraid, both a windy day and directly under a flight path. <laughs> ah, the, the dual nemesi of the podcast recorders. Um, but my amazing editor, Emmett, has done a beautiful job of minimising those sounds. And also, it really does fade into the background after a little while. I do need to put a warning at the top of this podcast for anyone with sensitivities around mentions of diets at all. Um, because Giles does mention a diet that he's on uh, twice in this final edit of this podcast. I have taken out an enormous amount of chat about that um, because there's enough of that toxic noise in the world telling people what they should eat, etc. Um, but uh, there's a few mentions of it left in, not because um, I could care less what diet anyone's on, but that particular um, bit of language was buried in the middle of really gorgeous stories that I didn't want to lose. So, you know, don't think anything's being uh, pushed upon you or lauded or recommended or even given two shits about in terms of diets ever on this podcast. But um, I didn't want to cut the words themselves out because we'd have missed out, as you'll hear, we'd have missed out on some absolutely glorious revelations from amazing Giles if I'd cut them all out. So there's two Littlands in there. Sorry. Yeah, so we're in his garden. It is so beautiful. Uh, his grandkids come round at some point for their swimming lesson. Yes, there was a swimming pool. Of course there was. It's Giles. You'll join us uh, just as I'd really sort of levelled up the flirting with his cat, Nala. I have to tell you, Nala is... We can talk about Nala. Yeah. She's um, not universally friendly. So well done, you. Oh, really? You discussed that. Have we started yet? Yes, I just started it. Sorry. Oh, of course you can. No. Let me tell you about Nala. Tell me about Nala the cat, the main Oh, this is where I'm speaking. I'm trying to reach over there. No, to you, we get our own. And you get... Uh, my, my microphone holders, one of them's broken, so... Uh, Nala is the neighbour's cat. <gasps> that side. Right. And we're speaking from my garden in South West London. And... Uh, about three, four years ago, my wife Michelle was sitting in the garden, and over the garden wall came Nala, and she came right up to her, right up to her, and basically has not been away since. <gasps> and of course, it's a big issue stealing the neighbour's cat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's not really done, is it? It's, it's not completely on. not done. <laughs> but Nala would not go away. <laughs> Nala would not leave, and uh, my wife closed up the cat flaps. Oh, I ought to explain that we had just, our last cat had died, so oh. there was a vacancy. <laughs> and she sensed that there was a vacancy. She came over and, and staked her claim. And we didn't feed her. We didn't let her into the house. We tried to keep her at bay. But she would not go. We didn't know where she came from. We, she would not go away. She'd just fallen in love with you. This is such well, a she'd, romantic story. She'd fallen in love with my wife in a very, very big way. And then the day came after about six months. We hadn't been feeding her. But she just kept coming in. And there was a ring on the doorbell. And there was somebody handing out a leaflet saying, we have lost our cat. And they showed us, there was this photograph oh, of no. And she was actually sitting in the sitting room. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to pretend to come out into the garden. So I think that's a cat that's lurking in our garden. Kicked the cat into the garden, picked it up, brought it back into the house. Said, is this your cat? And they said, yes. So we took her back to the neighbours. Yeah. But she came immediately, the moment she could escape, they tried to lock her in for a couple of weeks, she came back to <laughs> So we now have an arrangement that she is the neighbour's cat, and she lives with us. Okay. It's a very good arrangement, because they still pay the vet's bills. 
<laughs> but do you have to feed her? You must feed her now. We feed her, we love her, she lives with us permanently. But they pay the vet's bills. Because they also have other cats okay. and dogs. Okay. And I think, and they have small children. And I think it was the dogs and the small children that Nala found a bit too much. Fine. Also, I fear she comes from a dysfunctional family because <coughs> she lived next door with her own son. Oh, no. Who is a dead ringer for her. And <gasps> she's he, abandoned him to she's come and live with you, Charles. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so Nala. We're homebreakers. Anyway, <laughs> she is a Maine Coon and she is one of the joys of our lives. She's gorgeous. I, I've had a cat all my life. Have you had cats all your life? I had cats when I was growing up and then I've not had cats as an adult. And yeah, my girlfriend's got two cats, one Maine Coon and then one, I don't know what, it's a really pretty black and white cat called Conrad. And uh, near, my, one of my neighbours, I don't know which, has a dead ringer for her cat, Conrad, to the point where we've named him Nonrad. Oh, but good. unlike Nala, we have the opposite problem where I'm, Forever begging for a cuddle from him, and never have never got one. He scowls. The more you, the more love you show, the less. Well, Nala's a wonderful lap cat. Yes, you, oh, she really is. She's, oh. she is. she's perfect. I love it when there's a cat on this podcast. Very good. Now, tell um, us, tell us all about the podcast. Tell so, us about you, Jess. Why we're here? <laughs> what we here to do? The people listening will probably, hopefully, already know. I'm just, I'm a comedian, and I've got this podcast about eating because comedians pretend to know about everything. And what is the and podcast called? Hoovering. Hoovering. That's... Because I kept getting these emails marked Hoovering, and I thought it's a code for something. It's just slang for eating, isn't it? Eating things up. Oh, as in hoovering things Whoa. up. I should know that, because, of course, I do a podcast as well with my friend Susie Dent. And um, we, it's all about words and language. Yeah. And Hoover is one of the words we have touched on, because, of course, Hoover is a commercial name. Exactly. It should be a vacuum cleaner. Yeah, exactly. It? And you can hardly call your... Well, you could say you hardly call your cat Hoover. You could call your cat Hoover. You could hardly call your podcast vacuum cleaning. No, then people... Re- I get enough people confused. So it's all about it hoovering up. up food. Lovely. Yes. And what food are we going to hoover up today? So I brought round some apple that right. came in my fruit and veg box. I get one called Odd Box, Very where good. they rescue wonky veg or oversized or undersized fruit and veg that supermarkets have rejected and it's very good and I got two cheeses I had a fun thing where I went into a deli in Ladywell where I used to live in South East London and they've always had amazing cheese in there and I went in and said give me your two most exciting cheeses and um, I thought the man really enjoyed the challenge so we've got two um, this is a roll right and it's from Berkshire and it's like a hard cheese he said close to a manchego as you'd get from a cheese made here and then this one is Spenwood, and I just brought up a web page. I think it's from the Midlands. It's a goat's cheese. It's softer. Yeah, so that's that's what I've got. On a, yeah. So shall I start on the hard one? Yeah, start on the hard one here. Thank you I very much. I very weird bringing a sharp knife round to your house. Oh, that's okay. I didn't know if you'd have someone who'd pat me down and I'd have to, <laughs> <laughs> I'd have to immediately say, um... We have our own sharp knives. Yeah, I know, but then also... travelling your I own. I feel very bad when you now, come to someone else's house. Do I go, cut off the rind? Or do I, I would, well? yeah. It so just it looks so hard. It's It looks like a, a small piece of... What would you call this? Um, ivory. No, not ivory. It's it small a bit. It's, it's sort of discoloured at the edges. It looks like... Do you remember at school where you'd have to try and... I thought I'd just wait till that amazing play 
I have got. Oh, I've got a. Um, it's, we're on a plane day today. Yeah. Um, <laughs> not every day do the planes go over. One of the joys of lockdown was no planes at all. Yes, wasn't it lovely? But I've got a um, an app that can tell you what the plane was. So not only do we well we have planes, but if because this could extend the range of your podcast, people <laughs> tune in not just hoovering but also uh, flight radar. Perfect. It can tell you. It's going, to, it's going to be landing at Heathrow in one minute. Wow. And what is it? Oh, gosh, it came from Delhi. Oh, wow. It's It departed eight hours, 46 minutes ago from Delhi. It's arriving mm-hmm. at London Heathrow in about three minutes. And there you are. It's a it's a Boeing 787 Dreamliner. Oh. Yeah, I can even give you its registration number. Will everybody on it need to be quarantining for two weeks? This is a great app, you know. That's very sweet. Tells what every plane is. You can upgrade your app. Right. And then they tell you what they're eating in first class. It's fantastic. But that's a, that would be great on the podcast. What's mm. the name of the app then? It's called Hold On. Because actually I'm gonna be recording more of these in gardens than ever before. So it's something where I could just stop okay. and then be told like look in the app and be told okay and the joy is you just hold the app up into the sky and it yeah. shows you what the planes are going overhead that, but I want to know what they're eating on it I have a my friend Sally has an amazing rule where because you know if you're on the moon you're you're six times lighter or something you're mm. because gravity's thinner so um, but she just has this really great rule where that means if you're on a plane and or in an airport you can eat six times more it's good isn't it mm. Nice I've just been doing a kid's jokes book for Puffin. You're so busy. And, you're yeah, you're never I, not doing a hundred projects. And, and I was writing about the uh, anti-gravity book I just read. And yeah. I said I couldn't put it down. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Yeah. Very good. Mm. Anyway. Um, what do you think of this cheese? I made the mistake of eating a bit of apple first. Okay. And the skin was uninteresting. Okay. So let me just now. This was, What is this cheese? Rollwright. Rollwright. I love the name. Well, I feel it means something else. Rollwright. I feel there's a there's a, a paint or something called Rollwright. No, there's it's a probably. there's a garden. You can get garden machinery called Rollwright. Can you? Yes. Mm. Well, it tastes nicer than garden machinery. I was at school with a boy called Wicksteed and his family. I haven't thought about this guy in sixty-five years. Can't wait to hear about Wicksteed. He sounds like a Dickensian. His urchin. family made garden equipment. Right. And I think they sold Rollwright garden things that you plant the lawn with. Amazing. Oh, excuse me, listeners. Excuse me, listeners. We're I just going to we're just going to spy on the inside of another plane using yep. Charles's app. Yeah, we're just going to. And look, I'll show you how brilliant it is. Hold on. Uh, this is going to go. Oh, come on, come on. You did. You beat the app. <laughs> You're right. It was a Virgin Atlantic, and it was from New York. Well done. Was it from New York? That was a guess. When we're all well, they're not. They don't come from many other places. Right. When you're um. When you're on a day like today, um, 
when we're on the flight path, we do get them every two minutes. Right. So if you find it too oppressive, we can go indoors. Oh, well, I, I quite like it. Sure. And I think I find with anything like that on a podcast, once it started happening, the first one people find annoying and then they get used to it. Yeah. Okay, so here we are. Mm. And I'm eating these trees. Yeah. The roll ride trees from, where is it? This one's from Berkshire. From Berkshire. Mm. It's got a lot going on, isn't it? It has got quite a lot going on. Give me the cheese connoisseur speak of this. Well, I'm not a cheese connoisseur. I just like cheese. It's, um... Mm. I like cheese too. It has got a lot going on. It's intense. It's salty. Almost mm. crystally, I think. Well, you have got the lingo. Is it a bit, uh... It lingers oh, in the know. mouth. Yeah, it does. Is it's it? not overpowering. It's not, you know, sometimes but is it you like, feel like is cheese is going to burn the skin on your mouth. It's not strong in that way. But is it it's, nice? I love it. You're oh, not you fast. It. Do you think it's a bit footy, a bit feety? Oh, you're right. I mean, a it is like, a little bit feety, isn't it? A little it? bit like old socks. You mean. Mm, sorry. Many years ago, <laughs> everything that happened to me happened many years ago. <laughs> you didn't finish telling me about, was it Wenwright? Wicksteed. Wicksteed. I'll come back to him. 50 years ago, after i just graduated from university. I joined a commission set up by a wonderful man called Lord Longford. Right. Died a few years ago, well into his 90s. He had been a member of Clement Attlee's cabinet after the Second World War. He was later a member of Harold Wilson's government. He was a uh, Christian socialist, right. a serious Catholic, and a social reformer, very interested in prison reform. Mm -hmm. And indeed, I'm still involved in the Longford Trust, um, which tries to help provide education for ex-offenders. Anyway, Lord Longford decided 50 years ago to investigate pornography, the scourge of pornography right. in our society. And he set up a committee to do this. And he'd met me at university because I invited him to speak in a debate when I was president of the union about prison reform. And he thought, oh, it's a bright young man. Yeah. So I'll have him on my podcast. So he phoned me up one day and said, this is Lord Longford. I didn't believe him. But anyway, he said, this is Lord Longford. I'm, I'm setting up this committee to investigate pornography. And I need some... I've got a lot of old people. I've got a bishop and an archbishop and a rabbi. And I need some... And I need some <laughs> Sounds young, like the start of a joke, Charles. <laughs> well, it felt like it, but it wasn't. He <laughs> said, I've got a bishop, an archbishop, a rabbi. I need some young people. And I thought of you and Cliff Richard. <laughs> I love... This is your life. And, and Cliff and I both said yes. Great. Did you have to watch loads of porn? Yes. <laughs> yes, you did. We did. We did. Were you paid to? No, no. It oh. was voluntary. It no, was a voluntary. It was a moral duty. It was a duty. And it was it was completely fascinating. But the point of the story is we can, we can talk some more about mm. the pornography we saw and the result of the work of this committee. We went over to Copenhagen. Right. To reap the alien porn. I remember when we got to Copenhagen, the British ambassador met us at the airport and gave us each five pounds. A lot of money in those days. Yeah. Talking about 1970. Um... Uh, to spend in the sort of uh, strip joints and right. um, sleaze bars of Copenhagen. But the reason I mention it is that there was a magazine, we were sent lots of magazines to read, called Amigo. And Amigo was a magazine for foot fetishists. Oh my gosh! And, and that's what this cheese has brought you round to. Exactly. Amigo, the magazine for foot perverts. Exactly. Well, Amazing. were they perverts? Or were Basically, they perverts? I don't know. I think feet are pretty disgusting. Well, it gave you toe by toe, step by step, <laughs> heel by heel accounts of sexy feet. And there were pictures. I knew this episode would have nothing to do with eating. There were feet, 
photographed in the most extraordinary positions. There were toes interlocking. Oh, no. There were people who could get their feet behind their ears. Great. And there were people who could get their feet into places that you wouldn't believe they could get their feet into. Uh, Amazing. And people who could do things with their toes that would surprise you. (laughs) And at a speed that would impress you. Oh, no. Oh, no. The point is, there was also... Uh, a, a section in it which described I remember this vividly the fragrance of feet and this is what this cheese is taking me straight back to. <laughs> so you've heard of the famous novel by Marcel Proust uh, <laughs> A la recherche du temps perdu are you familiar with all I've this? I've heard of it yeah. you won't have read it nobody has no, I haven't it's never read been it. read by anybody it's a book that's been started by millions <laughs> not completed by anybody in the history of the world even apparently the proofreaders this it, friend 65 years ago you haven't thought about him for 65 years and no but the point is like A la recherche du temps perdu there is the moment in that famous novel, the iconic moment, where the character of the narrator tastes a Madeleine. Oh, uh, I love Madeleine. And that takes him on a journey of memory. Incredible. And that is, in a sense, in the 20th century, the origin of the idea of food sending us on a kind of dream journey. It's the Madeleine in Coust. Uh, cheese. This is done exactly. This cheese, roll right. Oh, that's a good name, actually, for a, a broadsheet cheese. Roll right. <laughs> roll it's right. Rolled, it's rolled me right back to so the pages of a less, less giving you a dream memory and more a nightmare memory. Well, it's beginning to ground me. <laughs> and the, the good thing about being introduced to pornography so young was twofold. One, it, I was, I've seen everything. Yeah. Unshockable. Yeah. I've seen it all. Mm. But two, it did make me more tolerant in some ways of other yeah. people, you know, because there were these people who, who, you know, got turned on by smelly feet. <laughs> it's true. You do realise how weird and wonderful the world is. And yet, you see, we don't think it's weird and wonderful to be turned on by smelly cheese. We think that's acceptable. Yeah. You can sit around in a gentleman's club going, oh, lovely cheese, oh, yes, where's the children? But, you're, as it were, you talk about these people being perverts. I love the word pervert, and oh. I use it very... I overuse it as a joke all the time to the point where my four-year-old the other day called me a pervert. Oh, no. And um, he said, oh, no way, you pervert. And then he said oh. once, oh, mummy, you're a maniac this week. And I You've said, got well, to be so careful. He's, he's copying all the words. Can that... I say social services will be right? <laughs> Charles, you know he gives as good as he gets. What's he called this child? Rudy. He, um, Rudy's he's mum, accidentally very, very sexist, and I had a lot of fun with it. And this week he said, we were eating something pickled, something sour, a gherkin or something. And he said, this is very tangy. Um, is this good for you? And I said, I think it is. I think it's good for your, I think it's good for your gut. And he went, well, I hope while you're eating, you're thinking about whether or not it's good for your womb. <laughs> <laughs> it's because he's learning about the body, but it was just the most sexist, sexist thing anybody's ever said to me. If it's the most sexist thing anybody's ever said no, to you, not. you're in a happy position. I know, no, it's not the most sexist thing. Say scrum diddly umptious. No! And then you can be in my podcast. Scrum diddly umptious.
before we move on to mm. this this cheese I'm finding smellier the softer cheese I haven't tried the softer cheese yet I've enjoyed the roll right I've enjoyed rolling the name roll right <laughs> I've enjoyed the trip down memory lane to the Foot Fetishes magazine Amigo <laughs> I believe I'd like to know maybe do you have correspondence do you can get in touch if the yeah. magazine is still going yeah get in touch with Hoover Hoovering. Hoovering. Get in so. touch with the Hoovering. Yeah, get in touch with the podcast. And and then Giles would like a copy <laughs> for his library. Yeah. Why not? There's probably well, collector's editions no, now. It must be said in fairness, when I'd done all this, I had some revolting material in the house, mm. and Michelle, my wife, quite rightly, 50 years ago, uh, made me get rid of it all. She said, yeah. it's revolting, it's horrible. And it was very interesting. At the time, Mort Long was much mocked because about this because he and he was nicknamed Lord Porn and he was considered a sort of figure of fun yeah but in fact in retrospect uh, he was obviously he, what he, he was concerned mm. that pornography was uh, dehumanizing people yeah and that the people who were taking part in it were they were all apparently willing people but when actually we came to meet them mm -hmm. how willing were they how yeah. coerced were they by fellow what were their situation financially exactly, exactly. Yeah. all the whole thing yeah. was much more complicated and um, anyway uh, it was a fascinating experience and Copenhagen was really hilarious because he was an old man I mean he seemed to be incredible I was 22 or something and he was about 72 so he seemed to me to be older than God <laughs> and we went to the, so I went with a 72-year-old Catholic peer, Earl of Long. We sat together at the sex shops in Copenhagen. And that was the, <laughs> the live intercourse taking place. And these were very small cabaret rooms. You've been to Edinburgh, you know what it's like. Yes. So it's like being in a small um, uh, gilded balloon, but in one of the cheaper rooms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You the know. wee room. Or the, yeah, yeah, the exactly. Uh, so you're absolutely. The, one, the ones that I've done shows in. <laughs> so you're sitting there, 60 people. And there at the front are these two people who take the live intercourse. Mm. And I remember sitting next to me, where, where, where does one look? You know, where do you yeah, look? There, there was lots of press. Right. And then this girl arrived with a whip. And I remember Lord Longford didn't have any hair. He was bald. Oh, no. Yeah, he no. And she began curling her whip around the top of his head. Oh, no. And he got up and left. He's saying, I thought it was a very good line. Then, really. I've seen enough for science more than enough for pleasure. Made his excuses and left. Because, of course, if she'd landed in his lap... Yeah, he would then have the whole you know, study goes skew with. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, he was a good man. Thank you for reminding me of those good days. Now, where will this next cheese take me? I'll just tell you what the airplane is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so nervous about where the next cheese will take you. Um, Dubai. Emirates. Emirates, Dubai, London Heathrow. Yeah. I wish I'd upgraded, then I could have told you what they're eating in first class. But it won't be as good as what we're having down below. They won't be having any roll right up there. Um, now, is this the one I have next? Yes, please. That's the only other one. Oh. Um, this is so <laughs> lovely. You've got this a really gorgeous garden. This is a two-cheese show. I've got a new question a while friend. you're getting inspired by that. that I'm asking everybody. Do I take the rind off this? I would, yeah. I yep. did with mine. It just looked a bit too much like actual mould. Um, I um, I preferred this one, by the way. I think it looked inoc inoclu innocuous, but actually it's really... But it doesn't... And it smells, but it doesn't stink, you know. You wouldn't be like, oh, well, I can't take that in the car. 
It's milder, it's smoother. Mm, it's creamy. It's creamy, it's softer to the taste. Yeah. Oh, yeah, this is... Much more innocent memories coming back from this <laughs> one. <laughs> not necessarily. <laughs> oh, no, no. Can I tell you? Yes, not, yeah, not, yeah. Not necessarily. Okay. Those were the days. <laughs> um, are you a fussy eater? And do you cook? That's two completely different questions, but I want to know both things. I used to be... I went through a phase of being very interested in food. I had a best friend from school, um, an actor, who I met when I was 15, he was 13, and he became quite well known. He was called Simon Cadell. Uh-huh. And your older listeners will remember him from a television series called Heidi High. Oh, wow. And he was a, he, and he played the, 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 the man who ran the, um, the sort of fellow who was the manager of the camp. But he was a, it was a marvellous actor, a delightful person. And we were at school together, and he was my best friend until he died, age only 46. Oh, wow. Now, Simon was a great gourmet, uh-huh. and a great gourmet, and a great wine lover. Not professionally, just for f- hobbyists. Yes, even yeah. at 13. I cast him in the school play as Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> I, I, I'd written the play myself, based on a Sherlock Holmes short story by Arthur Gendron. And I cast this boy, age 13. He could smoke a pipe. <gasps> I mean, he could blow rings through his nose. With the he could tell, you know, a Chablis from a Sancerre <laughs> at 10 paces, age 13. Wow. He knew about wine, women, and song, and he sang very well. Uh, and through my friendship with him, we, um, he and his wife, and me and my wife, we often went on holiday together, mm-hmm. and we would go to those restaurants that existed in the 70s and 80s in the south of France, where you had menu gourmand, literally 17 really? courses. Oh my, please, I've heard about this. And sort of a different oh. wine. So it's a full course. day trip, isn't it, really? Oh. You're going to really be roll, rolling right out of there. You're going to be crawling. And I remember once, I, I did a, he was such a connoisseur, I did a gig for Air France, mm-hmm. this is in the 1970s, and uh, in return for doing this gig for Air France, I was paid in kind, okay? In the sense that I got a... Loads of flights. Uh, some trips. Yeah. And at the end of it, all declared, but at the end of it, there was some money left over. I hadn't taken up the full amount in kind. And there was about £350 left over. This is the 1970s. Yeah, So, exactly. So I said to Simon, what should we do? He said, well, I think there's a hotel in Piccadilly which is owned by Air France. Let's go to that hotel. They've got a rather an interesting restaurant there. So we went, our wives and us, in the 1970s. Oh, this is some people coming into the garden. Oh, uh, this is some oh, of my hello. grandchildren. Hello. This is Jess. Nice to meet you, I'm Jess. Jess is a distinguished stand-up comedian. I'm not distinguished, but... And she, we're doing a podcast together. These are two of my grandsons. They're nice coming to, to have a swimming lesson. Oh, lovely. Um, Enjoy. So Just you, about warm enough. Sweet past. Head out, head out to the pool. You head, head to the pool. <laughs> and they will get magnums as a reward afterwards. Oh, get in. Or possibly a bit of cheese. Yeah, a bit of cheese and biscuits if they anyway, like. The point of the story yeah. is we went to this hotel, the Meridian, mm. in Piccadilly. We went in. There was a rather nice modern restaurant. Simon didn't want to go there. He wanted to go to the Oak Bean restaurant, where there were ludicrous people, very formally dressed. Right. White tie, tailcoats. <laughs> Enormous menus came that sort of fell over your face. <laughs> he basically ordered all the most expensive things on the uh, menu, starting with a pâté de foie gras, and then a little, oh and then God. to clean the palate, a little, a little bit of caviar, and then before we tucked into the, the pheasant, and, and then a little turbot before the steaks. I mean, it couldn't have been more oh. ridiculous with different wines. And 
The wine list was magnificent. But he called for the sommelier and said to the sommelier, Am I right? I think this used to be a British railways hotel before Air France bought it. And the sommelier said yes. He said, Now I know British railways. It's a very fine cellar. People don't realise that. And I suspect in your cellar you've got some rather interesting wines. Would you, sommelier, go down into that cellar and bring up just a couple of bottles for Mr. Brandreth and me to enjoy of what you think might be your finest wines? So the long and short of it is that we had those finest wines and the bill came and oh. we had £350 to spend, which was literally thousands by today's standards. Yeah. And on top of that, we had to spend another £250. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was weeks before either of our wives could just <laughs> That's an amazing story. But in those days, when Simon was around, I used to enjoy. Yeah. Well, the fun went out of it, rather. Right. And um, so, I went on eating and drinking. Obviously, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It wasn't the same sort of party at right. in those days. Yeah, we used yeah, to go yeah. to, you know, we knew, for example, you know, Cannes des Quatre Saisons, the Raymond Blanc oh, restaurant yeah, yeah, yeah. Near, um, in Oxfordshire. Uh, well, Raymond Blanc, great and distinguished chef, he was a waiter at a restaurant in Oxford called the Sorbonne when we were students. Wow. And so we used to go to this his great restaurants when he started them up. So we went to cut us on when he started up. So we'd go to these very grand restaurants and eat in high style, yeah. eat fabulously and become mm -hmm. quite corpulent. And <laughs> Simon, Simon wouldn't just drink wines with every course. He would yeah. taste them and savour them. He taught me how to... <laughs> and then he wouldn't spit any of it out. That's a waste. He would drink it all. But if he opened a bottle, he wouldn't. He would either finish it or throw it away. He wouldn't yeah. drink it the next day. And also, at the end of the meal, the brandies, the poires. Oh my god! The, yes, I think I'd have. Yeah, all of that. I've never made it that far. Yeah. Uh, anyway, the long and the short of it was that he died, and I, and I slightly lost interest in the yeah. food. And then I gave up the drink totally. Completely. So I haven't had a drink in 20 years. Oh, wow. So I don't drink alcohol. And now my signature dish is probably baked beans on toast. <laughs> okay, but fair enough. Because I'm on the low-carb diet. The oh, moment, right. Yeah, I saw this on Twitter. So there's no toast. And oh, so you just have to have a little plate of beans. Well, even better. <laughs> it's got better. It's got better. It's got better. Because so, uh, the heated beans is almost banal. Yeah. Cold beans, there's a kind of oh, something about a cold yeah, plate of baked beans. Even more exciting. <laughs> Why bother with the plate? Oh no, straight from the tip. Straight from the tip. Oh, I did not cold expect this. We've beans, just gone from 17 course, yeah. thousands of pounds on one meal, yeah. to discovering that you eat beans cold from the tin. And can I say... What an absolute curveball from, from Brandreth there. The charge, <laughs> the culinary charge from the cold baked beans is as great as that from eating in some of the finest restaurants in the world. Oh, there we go. And I have dined in most of the finest restaurants in the world yeah. in my time, but now I don't. Amazing. Amazing to know you can get your kicks from eating incredible things. It's not all about splashing the cash, is it? No. Fantastic. Mm, yum in my tongue. 
A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. I've decided, actually, I'm not just in the new normal. I want the old normal. <laughs> You're going to go back to the old yeah. normal, all the running around. I mean, I don't miss the travelling, but I do miss the kind of like... Dotting about, I miss, and I am trying. In fact, that's the reason I got the tricycle. Yeah, because I thought, do I want to go on public transport? No, you want to tricycle everywhere. Well, um, because it isn't much fun. I can see you on an electric scooter. I've got well, never mind the scooter. I thought the tricycle would be good exercise, and it yeah. is because it's a sit-up tricycle, so it's right. good for the posture. Right. Uh, it's good for the thighs. Excellent. Uh, and, <laughs> I like the way you said thighs. Uh, yeah, thighs uh, and. Um, because it's a tricycle, people give you space. Right. And I very sensibly, I had a very they nice... They think you're a lunatic. Well, <laughs> there is an element of that. Because my friend Maureen Lippmann has knitted me a sort of cap to go over my helmet. So I've got this blue... You look like you've got a tea cosy on your helmet, child. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, exactly. Oh, so lovely. I'm going around on this. And people do steer clear. Yeah. Partly because I'm not very quick. <laughs> You're a trouble. You're uh, trouble. And because I take the lane. I yeah. can tell that's what you can do. Take the lane. Take the lane. Hold so the lane. Hold, I hold the lane. So oh. I'm in secondary position till I need to be in primary position. And then I take the lane. <laughs> and I've been all the way from here when I'm in South London. Thank you for coming this far. Pleasure. I've been all the way to Sloan Square so far. Wow. Over Putney Bridge, along Westminster, along the embankment. Wow. Up through, I went to pay pilgrimage to, uh, I'm the president of the Oscar Wilde Society, so I thought on my first outing on my tricycle, I should go to Oscar Wilde's house in Tite Street, London. Amazing. So I did, and I thought Oscar would have been amused. The idea. Lovely. One of his. Um, You're not a bit scared, though, now that the roads are heaving again. Yes. Yeah. I've got, I feel the fear, but I do it anyway. I wear a helmet and I wear a high-vis jacket. Okay. And most of London now is supposed to be 20 miles an hour. Yeah. If only it really were. Um, there are a lot of good cycle routes, if That's you can true. take them. And frankly, what is more risky? You know, yeah. the roads or being crammed up against heavy-breathing people? 
yep. on the Hammersmith and City line. It's absolutely spot on. So, so I'm giving it a go. Okay, I love it. Mmm, delicious. Fish fingers I'm very keen on, too. <laughs> Fish fingers are Fish great. Fish fingers, veggie fingers, I like that. Um, <laughs> Marmite and tomato sandwiches are my Ooh. absolute favourite. God, that's an interesting combination. Well, all right. it's a childhood one. Is there any, um, are there any foods that you hate that most people love? I hate dates. <laughs> that's such a random choice. They do, they're a bit gravelly, aren't they? They are revolting. <laughs> I went oh, to a, strong reaction. a French school in London, <laughs> which was then called the Lycée Français de Londres, is now called the Lycée Français Charles de Gaulle in South Kensington. And on Wednesday, we had dates for lunch. On Thursday, we had horse. I didn't mind the horse at all. It's rather <laughs> pleasant. The horse was tasty. Dates were revolting. But I stomached the dates because they came in a kind of raffia box shaped like a very small coffin and if you collected enough labels you could send them off to somewhere in Paris and they would then send you a kippy a kind of hat worn by people in the French Foreign Legion right it's made of plastic and I wanted one of these hats so in order to collect enough coupons to get the hat I ate the dates they were revolting they would make me wretch oh so I hate dates that's about the only thing I really hate um but I'm not... Um, my comfort food is um, Marlite and tomato sandwiches. Lovely. When I was a little boy... That's a powerful flavour for a comfort food. Often people choose quite... Um, bland foods. Yeah, beige, kind of lots of umami, whereas you've gone for quite sharp, salty... It's entirely to do with my mother. Yeah. Who put on... Take, take some bread, put on some butter on both sides. Mm. Uh, put on some marmite, quite nicely spread, and then very thinly sliced tomato. Press the bread really down. Cut off the uh, crusts. Okay. Cut it into four, but in triangles. Oh, very nice. And this, when I was sort of three or four or five, this was my tea with a drink called Nesquik, which I think they still make. They make Nesquik, yeah. yeah. Still have, and I, I never liked the banana one. Uh, or the strawberry one, chocolate Nesquik. So cold chocolate Nesquik, and so that's great. That's really I, all I, want. I have um, I had an Austrian grandmother, and that side of my family all are big into having a cold tomato cut in half with a sprinkle of really good salt on top. Oh yeah, and it feels like this. Do you know similar tomato always needs a little like salt? That's what I'm having often for breakfast now. Yeah, tomato, uh, tomato with a little salt, avocado, hobbled egg. And a hard-boiled egg with salt. Such a good thing to get a hard-boiled egg and tomato with a bit of salt. Do you know? I've, over lockdown, I've, I've um, I got given some fancy salts, and then um, hard-boiled egg with a bit of smoked salt is really sexy. What more could one want? Not, not a lot actually. These are great. These are great things and delicious foods. I am very aware of taking up lots of your time. I don't know. I'm ask you what haven't we covered? We've got twenty minutes before I need to go to my next call. What, yeah. what do we normally cover? Well, I have a... Oh, some well, set questions? Do you have some set questions? Oh, uh, yes. Um, a five-second rule, yes or no? What? Five-second rule. Do you even know what it is? No. No, well, there we go, then. Um, there's, like, a rule in lots of people's minds where if something's dropped on the floor, if it's within five seconds, you can still eat it. Oh, yes. Yeah. You into that? Oh, my mother used to say, <laughs> a peck of dirt before you die. No, oh, perfect. The, That's I, that, a nice phrase, yeah. Meaning that actually... <laughs> 
you will uh, peck is quite a lot, yes. so you can afford to eat quite a lot. Oh yes, yes. Curiously, often things I think that have hit the floor briefly are tastier. That's right. That people say that. You think they've picked up a bit of extra texture? <laughs> so a lovely, a delicious crumb. That's a bit like talking dirty, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so, but I do rather feel that it's sort of had a life. It's like I love leftovers. I love things yeah. the day after, the mm. day before. Um, often things treat. I mean, bread and butter pudding always tastes better on the second day. Yeah. My granddaughter, you saw going past a moment ago, is Zolda. She made some. Oh, she makes wonderful. She's a great baker, and she made some marvelous cakes for her brother's 60th birthday. But she made those amazing scones. But they were better on the second and third day. They sort of. Oh, well, that's a testament to a well-made scone, isn't no, it? I, I, I like. Mine start when I make scones. They start tough and they get tougher and tougher as the days go on. So but that's true. I think definitely anything with spice. So Five-second rule. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, uh, well, actually, it depends where you are. <laughs> uh, I, that certainly would be true in my kitchen, my home, yeah. or your home. Yeah. If you're with a friend, it's fine. Yeah. If, you know, you're on the railway train. Yes, that's true. Yeah, that's why I draw the line with my kid. Actually, I don't, I don't think I do. I, mean, yeah. I let him eat things off the floor once in the cinema. Is that bad? I wouldn't do that. Yeah, okay. I'll stop I wouldn't doing that. do that. But you know, cinemas are so much cleaner than they used to be. When I first went to the cinema, people find this hard to believe, there was smoking in the cinema. I remember that. Well, and I don't remember doing it, but I know where I'm from in Dorset, where in this little cinema called the Rex, and um, it was one of the last cinemas left in the country with smoking. I know the, the Rex. Do you know the Rex and where? I used to go to Wareham because I have a teddy bear collection. Oh, and there's a museum. And there's the Wareham Bears, beautiful. Wareham Bears. And I used to go there and my wife and I had a teddy bear collection in the museum in Stratford-on-Avon, and now our teddy bear collection lives up in North Yorkshire, near uh -huh. Ripon, at Newby Hall, where our teddy bears live entirely on honey sandwiches. <laughs> they are so, it's a stately home, so we expect them to be properly looked after. Aww. But in the cinema when I was a boy, there was smoking on the right-hand side of the cinema. Right. No smoking on the left. So the films I went to see with my mum, things like Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers film, I saw them all beautifully, clearly. The films <laughs> I went to see with my dad, which were sort of um, James Cagney kind of gangster movies, we sat on the right-hand side, and I never saw any of those properly, because it was through a haze, a mist of smoke. It would be even worse now with vape. Vape dust everywhere. Do they allow vape in cinemas? No. But people do sneakily do it. You can tell, because this plume goes up. Oh. I don't know. I I'm tell you, I, I, I love the cinema. I've got a lovely cinema locally. But all this eating and drinking in the cinema, the sluicing and the slurping. I, do you know, I don't, I am, um, yeah, it depends. I'm not particularly fussed, but I think there's, it's part of the ritual, I think, for a lot of people to have popcorn or something in there. It depends whether it's loud. I don't know that you should be allowed anything in a crinkly bag. I'm way fussier about it in a theatre. I think at least the film's been made and you're not going to be putting the, any performers off just the other people watching it. In the theatre, I mean, some of the stories I've I've heard from theatre actors of the things that people have been eat, eating in the front row. And I went once with, to some other friend and she opened a Tupperware and she bought carrots and hummus. And it was the crunchiest, homemade hummus that stank of garlic. And then these crunchy cats, we, we were, all of us were like, oh, it And she did, but oh, it's madness, isn't it? And um, 
I worked many years ago with a comedian called Bernard Manning. Oh, heard of him? Yes, I have heard of Bernard Manning. Famous for some he not, was, not ideal. He was not not ideal. He was hilariously funny, but his material was totally unacceptable. Yeah. It was unacceptable even in his day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was uh, sort of the point then, wasn't it? It was the point. What was interesting about it was that he was he was genuinely funny. Yeah. So he didn't actually he would have been funny anyway. Oh, I think but, most comedians to this day will say that like, it's structurally and in an incredibly talented, charismatic, great writer, just just horrible opinion. He was hugely fat. And he drank and smoked and anyway, I, I was a kind of support act to him in his really? club up in Manchester. And I was in my early twenties and uh, he I, I shared the dressing room with the stripper. Oh uh, god! Who I thought was old enough to be my mum. I realised now she was only about thirty-six. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, and he 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 never came backstage. He yeah. waited outside in his white Rolls Royce. And when he came onto the stage, he had his own sound system, which was much better than ours. So right. he always went. But the point is, at the club, people were eating. Oh, always, yeah. it was you know soup in a basket. Yes, well, chicken yeah, in a yeah. basket. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> soup in a basket is going to be a disaster. But yeah, I know exactly what you mean. That and carried on right into the nineties. So that were, kind of chicken in a basket. There were pint pots. There was. There, yeah. It was mostly beer and spirits. Yeah. Um, and um, uh, but he taught me a lot. Yeah. But it was very difficult carrying on through the people eating, yeah. burping, slurping. Oh, it's so grim. There's a lovely comedy club, tiny one in Bracknell called the Comedy Cellar, that where the, behind the bar they don't even sell crisps. Uh, How, that's like the most sort of comedy, like sweet comedy. Um, if if um if there's no other choice, would you eat a person? It depends, of course, who. <laughs> uh, An enemy. Um, oh no. There was a treat today. See if I can get it. It was such so sweet. Hold on. I am what I eat. I eat what I am. I start with my toes covered in jam. <laughs> and I'm working up on that yeah. about hips rhyming with chips okay. and uh, knees with cheese. Um, <laughs> so you mean in a serious way? If, yeah. if, if the Oh, well, I mean, it, it, I, I've left fun. the question vague for, so you can take it wherever you want. Yeah. I, I, it tickles me mainly when people go, yeah, yes, I'm a jam. <laughs> They're just very sure about it in a, in a situation where you're starving. Oh, in a situation? I mean, I don't know. And I think well, like, a, a lot of people say I'd do it, but I don't think I could kill them. But if someone had died and there was nothing, like nothing, and That's someone else had cooked it, I, and I think actually the vast majority of people, if you were really starving, of course you would. And someone had cooked oh, yeah. nicely. I mean, I just don't know how you wouldn't. Yeah. You I mean, would, you'd be so compelled to. I'm, every fibre in you to survive. But I don't know. I mean, obviously the idea of it's disgusting, so it's a fun question. I'm essentially a veggie. All right, yeah. Um, me too, and, essentially. You know, I do occasionally eat fish. And I became a veggie properly a few years ago when I was in India and went to the place where Mahatma Gandhi was assassinated. And there's a little museum there. And I went around, there was a picture of him and a little thing about him being a vegetarian and said underneath a line from him saying that he couldn't really eat any creature where he could look into their eyes. Mm. So I came to think, oh, I can't eat anything where anything that's got eyes, I can't. So my friend Sam said, well, you can eat scallops then, can't you? They've got eyes. And potatoes, yeah. they, they've got eyes. Can't eat them. So, <laughs> but it, I don't know. I know some vegans who still eat bivalves. Uh, because it's ultimately it's kind of got less going on intellectually than in some oh, plants. That, that snobbery of that. <laughs> it, 
Oh no, I think that's um Oh I think it's to do with Oh, intellectually. So you can eat creatures if they're stupid. I don't like that at all. <laughs> oh well that's why lots of people don't eat pigs because they're so clever. Don't you? Oh. Well, you're right about the plants, because I'm, I'm with Prince Charles on that. I think I do talk to them. So talk to them, sing to them, give them a cuddle. Why not? I tell you what, we've had to get our cuddles wherever we could take them during all the last few months, haven't we? We won't have been the only ones chatting up our plants, Charles. Well, I have to say, with the my grandchildren, when you've met some of them Yes. Today, that was a swimming lesson. When, when the, we were having lockdown, um, they would come by the house. We couldn't see them, of course. We'd yeah. away from the window. And we began throwing magnums at them. <laughs> and the other day... Throwing magnums at them. When we thought that maybe a cuddle was allowed, my wife yeah. said, oh, we're soon going to be able to have a cuddle. And the four-year-old said, we don't want a cuddle, we want a magnum. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right. Yeah. yeah, that sounds about right. So that's, I think, what the future's going to be. No more cuddles. <laughs> We don't want a cuddle, we want a magnum. All flowers and all trousers in the whole world vanish. It's pandemonium. Initially, people are sort of amused by it. Obviously, there's quite a lot of giggling, but actually people's legs get really cold. And then the flowers mean that the bees start dying and actually the ecosystem starts caving in and actually looks like a really nasty kind of apocalypse. Luckily, the magician that's vanished them has agreed to undo this horrible spell, but only if you, and really it does have to be you, Charles, do a four-day swimming lesson without any breaks. It sounds impossible, but you do it! Your reward is that you go down history as the man who saved all of humanity with this great physical feat, but your reward in the moment, and bearing in mind you are happy as you could possibly be because you had this heroic moment, and you are so hungry because you've just done days of movement, um, it's a feast of your dreams and it can be entirely fantastical nothing has to I don't care about ethics health consequences I want to know if you're in the happiest hungriest situation the opposite of a last meal what would be your dream thing to eat and to drink and if there's a who with and where then who with and gosh so this is fantasy <laughs> and I've already mentioned my marmite and tomato sandwiches so I shall push them aside if I could have any food, and bear in mind I'm coming on a low-carb diet, <laughs> I'd abandon the diet. Yeah, I hope you would. It's a fantasy. I would get some really lovely crusty bread. I would toast it, so it was a little bit too toasted. The touch burnt about it. I would get some bright yellow butter that's real butter. Yeah. I'd be a bit too generous with that. I would then peel a banana. Oh, here we go. And I would <laughs> chop the banana into little rings. Right. And I would place the banana carefully over the toast. And then with my knife, I would squash the banana so that it became, the little circles of banana came intermeshed. I would then cut the banana into the, the piece of toast into about eight separate pieces. Right. So they're little squares. Okay. And I would share them with my companion. And given that we're playing the fantasy game, it's a mermaid. <laughs> <laughs> because when you get to my age, uh, you want to be sure that safe sex is all that's on offer. <laughs> 
So, uh, uh, and we would feed each other. <laughs> Bits of mushed up banana <laughs> yes. on burnt toast with too much butter. Yeah. And then, of course... Mad as a bag of dicks, Charles Brandreth. <laughs> what do you think? What do you think? <laughs> it's really great. Great is answer. That, no one's that... ever said with a mermaid before. No, really? Yeah. No, it's perfect. Uh, Thank well, you so well, much for doing this. No problem. What a gorgeous guest Giles was. Oof! I'm very fond of that dear, kind, funny chap. If you're not already following him on Twitter, um, his handle is at Giles, G-Y-L-E-S-B-1, Bravo 1. You must start following him because all throughout uh, the whole of this pandemic, actually, he's been wearing a different jazzy jumper that he used to wear on Countdown every day reading or remembering a different poem just for twitter oh it's the stuff of dreams um also he has an amazing podcast which has recently won a big award i think it's called something rhymes with purple it's with the amazing susie dent and it's all about words so it's right up my straza check that out uh is also we met because we did a qi together um so that's an eye player at the moment one of the i think at the time of recording this the most recent episode, it's on Revolutions, I think, our episode. That's on iPlayer. And he's on Celebrity Gogglebox on Channel 4 at the moment too, being very funny. Thanks for listening to Hoovering. Tell every other bastard about it, if you will. Give it five stars everywhere. Give it lovely reviews. Uh, I think spare money-wise, main thing, just give it to food banks. And if you, if that leaves you a spare five or six quid, please, can you come and join us to do a hoovering live? It's in two nights' time if you're listening to this as it comes out. Sunday the 19th of July, 8pm UK time. There, It's virtual. You can all come safely. There are ticket links in the podcast notes all over my social media. The guests are insanely good. Uh, make sure you're following at the hoovering pod everywhere on the socials to find out who's on, etc, etc, etc. And also how you can maybe do some cooking along with me and the guests as part of the show. Alternatively, for tickets, uh, just go to showandtelluk.com and search the events for hoovering. All this information is all over my social media as well. Or if you want to follow me generally, I am at Jessica Foster Q. Anything longer than a tweet to tell me, you can email through my website, jessicafosterq.com. Huge thanks to Acast for hosting the podcast. Hoovering is produced by Emma Corsham and the music is by Mike Greenway. Until next week, happy hoovering. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.